Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Week 10 is done. We're pretty much at the halfway point and we're going to be making some judgments. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. You can tell the 49ers won at the weekend. Cameron's brought out the old San Francisco sweatshirt. So we know it's been a good week for him. <laughs> it's been a bad week for me. But we will be joined with a couple of great guests in this one, Cameron. Looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. Before we get to that, we are going to do what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it's just you and me for it this week. Uh, week 10, we're going to walk through the nominations for the Belter and Bobag give away our prizes, and then we'll get into some content. Like I said, we are going to make some halfway point judgments, uh, and we've got a little interview lined up as well that we think you'll enjoy. So, before we get to that, though, Paul, the Loch Lomond Belter nomination. You know, let's get straight into this. So there's, And it's a funny week, this. Um, we touch on this later on in one of the conversations, but the, the NFL this season's nuts. You can From one week to the next, it's kind of all over the place. And, and I think that's summed up in the award nominations this week. They're, they're all over the place. There's not really anybody that's a clear, outright winner uh, on either award. And, and the last few weeks, that's not been the case. There's always been somebody that's been a real standout. But, you know, for prime example, Alex Beaton, straight into the top, the Dolphins defense, Xavier Howard in particular. But that was some performance versus the Ravens by the whole defense, going back to that Thursday night game. Lauren Callahan, the 49ers went over the Rams, proving that sometimes uh, um, amassing a cast of all-star players is not a recipe for a win. That's kind of, I guess, on the Rams more than the Niners. And then Chris Banks comes in with Patrick Mahomes, like a Tom Cruise movie where he's having a crisis of confidence Google Rich Hall Tom Cruise sketch quality. He's come through his slump and did it with style. Left-handed pass on the first throw, basketball pass for a touchdown, 400 yards, five touchdowns. I could go on, but I won't as I'm a Raiders fan. Sad face. Um, Paddy Kelly gives one and tells me to enjoy the win for the 49ers after taking a lot of heat on recent pods by certain members. They go and embarrass the Rams, the superstar, Super Bowl, or bust Rams. Bust it is then. Credit to the players where and the play calling uh, and obviously I'm gutted that Charles Patterson isn't here because this is the one week I could tell him to stick it in his craw um, he'd still argue with me but you know I think I'd, I'd have an oh, opportunity he, he would point out however that the golden child is back in Green Bay and not only that <laughs> the defence turned up shut out Seattle and gave me a win in fantasy football because he knocked up 32 points for me so hey hey I'll take it Absolutely. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ones in here as well. There's a few for Patrick Mahomes. You talked about the Packers. AJ Dillon gets one from Robin Lawrence. Big catches, big runs, two touchdowns, carried the load when Aaron Jones went down and blocked well. 128 total yards. Get it to him. Um, it's true. Give him the ball. Uh, Reese Newens gives it to the entire league. The parity we're seeing in the NFL should be an inspiration to all sports. We're finishing week 10 and it just feels wide open. The draft system, salary caps, etc. It's making the game interesting and keeps you going through the season. Every week as a Colts fan has been painful this year. Highs and lows, but somehow if they pull themselves together, they still have a chance. Well done NFL for demonstrating how to run a sport. I add a wee bit at the bottom saying, imagine the Scottish Premier with this much parity. It would be good. It would be good, but and this is the problem if we can divert slightly. This this European Super League that got mentioned, you know, somebody floated it and everybody absolutely torched it and burned it. It's coming. 
I mean, it, there, there is no doubt it's coming. What people want over here, uh, and mainly the owners, is they know they want fixed income. They want to know it's coming. They don't want to know whether they've got to qualify through various rounds or not to get into the big money in Europe. And they do want a salary cap as well. America have it in the NFL and the other sports. Six-year-old thing, we for way. And people who want that over here, it ain't going to come at our level. It might come at the top level, but it's going to cause an awful lot of pain in breaking away. And that's why you see more and more American owners, Cameron. This is what they want. They don't understand why you would pay, you know, over the odds on salary just to finish fifth or sixth. You know, you want to, you know, pay money that you're going to compete. So I think there's a seismic change coming in, in European football. Um, but I think we should revel and enjoy the fact that America... American sport do have this right. They've got the right system all the way through. It works. It's perfect. But I would argue some of it is more by accident than design. So, yes, indeed. Um, back to the nominations. There's a couple in here. There's there's a couple for Robert Hunt. Uh, who doesn't love a big guy touchdown? Never mind it was utterly illegal, but the sheer athleticism and the flip and the stretch to break the plane was audacious. Undoubtedly the belter for the dive alone. It was. I was right. that I was called off as well. It was brilliant. <laughs> it, it's one of these nonsensical rules in the NFL. Bill, you know that you, if you're lined up in certain ways, etc., you're not allowed to be an eligible carrier. I think once a play's broken down, you should be able to do anything you want. And yeah, he's he's my belter, Cameron. That twist over, um, I mean, he can play that over and over and over to you know his kids and his grandkids. He doesn't have to tell them it got ruled out. He doesn't have to show them <laughs> that part of the tape. Just show the touchdown that he scored. Perfect. Um. A couple other quarterbacks getting nominations here. Taylor Heineke leading a 10-minute drive to see out the Brady Bunch. What a drive. Priceless for us Washington fans, adds John Hutchin. Um, Billy Cowan gives his to Mac Jones. He's found a way to play that suits the Patriots and get the ball moving down the field. He's using all the skills available and making real progress as a quarterback, and that's helping the team. Two big scores show it's all heading in the right direction. Devonta Smith gets one, two touchdowns on his birthday from Angus Coots, a bright spot in an otherwise gloomy season for the good guys from Philly. Debo Samuel gets one from James Whitson, the whole 49ers team smashed the Rams, but it's smashed the Rams in the mouth, but Debo sent the tone. He has been the shining light in an underwhelming 49ers season so far. And CD Lamb gets one from Ross Taylor. He struggled with one for week 10, but he's gone for Lamb as he's now looking like an elite level receiver and was brilliant on Sunday. Um, other nominations Matt Breida got one he's been a healthy scratch since week one but is rolling out for a team desperate to get a run game going and catches one touchdown and runs in another nomination there from Jason Hoffman so you know there's loads uh, Darius Slay big play Darius Slay gets one slaying the Broncos on that 80 plus yard fumble recovery touchdown that comes from Brian Dando loads of people Jacoby Myers the last one that I'll read out Paul O'Shea gives it for finally getting that touchdown his post-game comments that the fact that everyone celebrated with me was more important than the touchdown was a touch of class as well so Paul is it I mean is it as simple as that are you just giving it to Robert Hunt is there anyone else that's in the conversation for you You've mentioned the others the, the Washington Drive I've, I put in our WhatsApp group that to me was the best collective of that week because not only did they score Cameron they took the bucks out the game Brady can't beat you when he's sitting with his bum on the bench so I thought that was exceptional Robert Hunt still gets it but and it would be churlish of me not to mention what about Super Cam I'm back baby I'm back 
that was highly, highly impressive. Now, I thought he looked like he was on a zimmer trying to get into the end zone on the first run. He did look a little bit rusty, um, you know, because he just went all the way around. You can almost hear the bones creak. But genuinely, I, I think I've, you know, he did a great job. I knock him off enough. He did a great job. He's back. But it, it has to be Robert Hunt. We, we go for things that we don't normally see. And twisting dolphin-esque, um, you know, big lineman. Yeah, that wins it. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I completely agree with you as well. I'm, I'm, and it's an easy decision on that basis because Cam Newton coming back, brilliant to see the instant impact, the I'm back, I'm back. We talked about this. Gutted that he got uh, penalised for that. They should have let him have that moment. Absolutely tremendous. I think that, you know, we've seen that from him, though. Mahomes, you know, he had a Mahomes-like performance that we're used to from Mahomes. It's only getting a Belter nomination because he's been poor. Actually, yeah. what he did is still a good Mahomes game, but that's come to be expected. What Hunt did was just <laughs> sensational. <laughs> I loved it. Sensational. I was robbed. So he might have been robbed from getting his touchdown, but you know what? He's not going to be robbed from this. We're going to raise a dram because, Robert Hunt, you are... The Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. And at that point, Paul, let's make the draw for the winner of the bottle of whiskey this week in two tumblers, courtesy of our great friends at Loch Lomond. I need a number from you between 1 and 49. I will go with a wonderful number of 37. 37 is Ken Kerr. Congratulations, Ken. You are the winner of the bottle of whiskey this week. And from Robert Hunt Belter, on to the Bobag nomination then. So, again, a real mix of people here. A real mix of people. It's, it's quite something. Um, the Steelers and the Lions, says Alex Beaton. Did no one want to win that one? Some dire play, even though it did make for an exciting watch. Now, I'm going to pause there because, do you know what? It's so true. It was terrible football. It was Baufin. If the, if the Baufin Award was there, it would have won hands down. Yet it was captivating. I was absolutely captivated by its sheer ineptitude. It was just... I, that's the NFL, right? It's, it's highly unusual. I mean, I think the asterisk that goes against it, it was bad weather. The ball was pretty slick. When you are a team in search of your first win, everything clenches. I think people will get what I mean there. You know, you freeze up a little bit, you get a little bit more nervous and they just couldn't take that chance to get across the line. The Steelers, as good as they've looked in the last couple of games, that's one that's, you know, in the Steelers facility this week will not be a happy place. You cannot not take a win at home to the Lions at the moment. That could do them serious damage come the end of the season. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to enjoy the next nomination and I'm going to milk this because Gordon's not here to shoot me down for it and I'm not making it. Russell Wilson gets a number of nominations here. So Chris Banks says, Russell Wilson releases hype videos, showing himself to have the greatest comeback since Lazarus, only to not put up a single point and a couple of crazy interceptions. Leave the entertainment to your wife, you ballbag. Um, <laughs> uh, Barry Ward says, more hype with the whole finger injury, the videos with comeback also nauseating. Wilson was poor and made to look like a chump which makes the whole miracle finger injury very funny. 
And Ross Sterling says, one for Cam, but Rusty deserves his for the super Wolverine-esque healing ability on the ridiculously serious injury to his tiny finger, only to come out and do jack shit v's green bait. <laughs> oh, I did enjoy reading those ones out. Uh, there's a there's a few more for the, the, the Seahawks, so let's just get them out of the way. couple here <laughs> for DK Metcalf from Kenny Law and Cal Mingles. Kenny says, uh, Metcalf, ball bag, acts like a ball bag, gets ejected for being a ball bag, then tried to re-enter the game like a big old ball bag. Uh, and Callum says, bad enough you get ejected with less than three minutes left. You just played for free. Uh, but then you try and sneak back into the game. Absolute ball bag. And then Robin Lawrence says of Pete Carroll, probably time to retire. So not a lot of love for the, the Seahawks um, this week. Uh, I'll take the Metcalf stuff, but the Pete Carroll stuff, no chance. Absolutely no <laughs> chance. Like that man has got a, a, a goblet of unaging wine somewhere. <laughs> Um, that he sips from. He's tremendous. Love Pete Carroll. So there's a few other. Teddy Bridgewater gets a couple. So Teddy Bridgewater gets one from David Drybra, not even trying to tackle Darius Lee, who went on to score a touchdown after a fumble recovery. At the time, it was still a one-score game with a quarter left. So if Bridgewater makes an effort, he may stop the play and give Denver a fighting chance to turn the game around in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, very same thing. Ken Kerr says, you know, for Teddy Bridgewater, the business decision costs his team a touchdown, putting them two scores down. There's a nomination in here for me. Uh, I think that because I've read out the Seahawks one, I do have to read this out. So Olivia Ramage says, Cameron Hobbs, what the hell was in the cheese that made you think Russell Wilson was decent again? Jesus, my beloved Packers managed to lay a goose egg on the Seahawks. I think you put a hoodie on Wilson, for which I thank you. Sorry, but crumbs. So, eh, do you know what? I, I, it's possible, but I will not hear a word against the, the quarterback elect of the New Orleans Saints. So, um, <laughs> so no. <laughs> Wilson could be with us next year so I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about him now decided Ewan Chalmers gives it to anyone who thought Mike White was the answer there is a reason why he has been in the league for a number of years and never seen the field one fluke game and suddenly back to earth when facing a proper D can't believe there were people thinking he was the answer for the Jets um, Matt Ryan gets one from George Jackson boy throws a bomb last week to beat the Saints and can't throw a huff this week his inconsistencies are baffling. Ball bag. You know, my ball bag's going to the Jets. Uh, Robert Sala. They're, they're leaking points. I mean, you know, they're absolutely leaking points, Cameron. And he's supposed to be a defensive expert. It's not his first season. Um, I, I just think that there's something... I mean, we, we talk about it. The Jets probably get more talk and attention than they actually deserve. But he's the ball bag. You, you know, you are playing Mike White at quarterback and you're asking him, you know, to be Bart Starr. You know, let alone anything else, you know, by the number of balls that he's then having to throw deep to try and get back into games, get the defense a little bit better, uh, and then try and expect miracles from your quarterback. But that's that's for me. I'm just disappointed with the, the way that the Jets are. Yeah, in general, pretty much in yeah. general, let's be honest. Uh, the only other person that got nominated on uh, on here, and it's a little bit harsh because I think there's worse, is Ryan Santoso. You know, the Lions obviously had the chance to win it right at the end, and his, tick, his kick was terrible. Like, it wasn't even, like, it just went wide. It was just rank, really poor yeah. all round. Um, I mean, I'd be giving it to Russell Wilson. 
or DK Metcalf, I'll be honest. For Russell Wilson's hype video and then to score zero points for the first time in his career is rotten. Uh, the Bob Agri goes for the hype video. But do you know what? I'm not going to give it to uh, Seahawk because I can I can hear Gordon in my ear, even from across in America where he is at the moment. So uh, I, I think I can agree with the Jets one with you as well. I think that, yeah, all the hype around White, all the just all the noise, and for Salah to just kind of put him in there, and now, you know, reports coming out that Joe Flacco is going to start this weekend. So that's white benched already. Um, out the game, right decision to do. In comes Joe Flacco. What will happen when Zach Wilson comes back? Is It it's, it feels messy. I think Salah's yeah. obviously an inexperienced head coach. He's gone into a really difficult situation. It doesn't feel like he's managed this particularly well. And I think you're right. I probably expect more from that defense. Um, so fine, let's give it to Robert Sala and the, and the entire Jets organization. To be honest, sorry, Jets fans, as if it wasn't bad enough, eh? Ballbacks <laughs> this week as well. Right, I need another number from you, and we'll pick our ballbacks winner. Uh, we'll go with twenty-seven, Kevin. So twenty-seven is Chris Banks. So congratulations to Chris. You are the winner of the pair of ballbacks. We'll be in touch with both winners, and we'll get that sorted for you. Okay. That's that done. Um, we have got two things coming up. Let's go to somebody that's making a bit of a name for himself at the moment. Um, we have followed this story all the way through. Uh, and really, he's he's going off on one. Paul and I reached out to the wonderful people at the Michigan media team. And we were lucky enough to sit down with one, David Ajabo. So... We're absolutely delighted to be joined by a man who is hot property. My goodness me. Please welcome back to NFL Scotland Podcast, David Ajabo. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. And listen, you know, we've been we've been speaking, we've been trying to line this up for weeks, but you are in demand, sir. You are uh, genuinely hot property. What a season you're having. First of all, how much are you enjoying your football right now? Mom, it's it's starting to click, so you know it's 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 getting fun now, you know. And uh, on top of that, you know, it's always good to win too. So when you're winning, you know, you're you're having fun. Yeah, David, your game against uh, Penn was live on television in Britain this week, so we, we oh, got really? a chance to to watch that and uh, watch you destroy a good few people <laughs> along along the way. So it it made for good viewing. What's that stadium like, David? It looks you know all white. It seemed you know the the white out that they yeah. have there. It looked pretty awesome to to watch it on the TV. What was it like from the field? Yeah, well, it was a, it was a good experience, man. Uh, you know the the crowd was hostile as they should. Uh, you know, we fed off that energy and, uh, you know, we battled to the end. It was a great game. You've had really, I mean, the trajectory is quite something. Now, we've spoken to you a number of times. You are clearly talented. You've always believed in yourself, right? So that's never been in question. But yeah. the trajectory is unreal. Did you ever expect it would be as good as this in this year? Uh, I'll be lying if I said this year. <laughs> uh, I expected it to be like this, but uh, like you said, I've always believed in myself, so I knew it was only a matter of time. Uh, I've been saying that even since Scotland, and you know, it's just, just waiting on my time to come. Absolutely. How important is it as well? You know, you're you're playing for a team that's on the up. You're playing for a defense that's dominant as well. You know, you're mm. playing opposite a guy in Hutchison who is a, an absolute monster. The pair of you are just dominating everywhere. How important has that been for your game to have someone like him to play alongside? 
Uh, it's been everything, man. Just, you know, learning from him, uh, seeing what it takes, you know, to be a top five pick, ultimately, you know, just the way he carries himself on and off the field and uh, just healthy competition, you know, uh, almost kind of like that anything you could do, I could do better, trying to, trying to you know, help help each other, you know, just get better, you know, and uh, try to one-up each other, you know, in a good way, you know. David, it's been a good season for you results-wise as well. I mean, you're currently sitting at 9-1. and one. You're within the, the top 10 of the college football rankings. Obviously, mm. the first the first four places are key for the for the national playoff, and, and the Wolverines are still in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, uh, all that's good. Uh, you know, we've got to take it game by game. But, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, we're, we're in a very good spot. Uh, we've lost one game that we honestly shouldn't have lost. Uh, but, you know, it's just game by game, week by week. As you've grown, David, the, the team's also grown as well. How exciting is it to be part of a team where you're seeing good progress, not just personally, but as a mm. team each and every year? Yeah, I mean, uh, also just seeing my class, you know, even my quarterback right now, he was in my class. So just seeing all of us grow right from, you know, early enrollee year, from honestly high schoolers to, you know, winning the program football games now it's just been amazing and that's what makes it even more special because like i'm coming in and i'm playing and winning with the guys that i came in with you know so it's, it's an even a, a more special feeling how are you enjoying the media attention because obviously you know there's a lot of it <laughs> every week we you know in scotland we go on twitter and there's people sharing more and more videos of you pulling some outrageous spin move how are you enjoying that attention? Oh, uh, that's good, man. You know, you got to have a balance, though. Can't ha ha get too high, get too low. But, <laughs> you know, you has got to remember the same people that will pull you up and that raise you high will be the same ones that will pull you down. So that's why, that's why I keep them out in the back of my mind, you know. Enjoy it, but you can't let it get to you because, you know, they'll switch up quick. Absolutely. And then... Sitting on 10 sacks for the season, you talked about how you and Aiden are going head-to-head, -head, then you can do, I can do better. Are you two fighting for that stat, for that sack stat? Oh, yeah, we're going to break it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to break it, yeah. We're going to break it, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, it's it, it's so within reach that now it's just a, a case of who gets there first, you know? And, uh like I said, it's healthy competition, honestly. But yeah, we're both we're both gonna break. I strongly believe so. How important is your basketball background been to playing the type of football that Michigan are wanting you to play? Again, going back to some of those spin moves and things like that. How you know the the close quarter movement in basketball is so significant? Has that helped you develop as a as a football player as well? Oh, it's been everything, even uh, soccer too. Everything from footwork to uh, just being kind of light on my feet, uh, you know, just reacting to what the offensive guy gives me. Just everything, man. It's it's all paid, paid played its part into you know my play this this year. Yeah. Talk, talking of footwork and soccer, I think Aberdeen FC could do you over here, David. They're not in <laughs> the best of seasons. So. It's a, if you're free, come November, December, just pop yourself over. You get a game yes. there. <laughs> They could use you, I, I, I can assure you. David, in the Big Ten this year, I mean, in, in your conference, the East, I mean, you you seem to have the big hitters with Ohio State, Michigan State, and yourselves. I mean, Wisconsin uh, and Iowa 
in in the West, perhaps. But it's been a fascinating Big Ten. How how much of the Big Ten do you watch the other teams' games? How much of that do you keep across? I mean, yeah, those are the guys we're competing with. I mean, we're actually gonna and play with them too. So you know, we you know we we watch film. That's what we do every day. Watch film on our opponents and uh, you know, leading up to the you know ultimate goal. But like I said before, you know, it's week by week. So you know, whoever we have coming up, you know, focus on them. There's a lot of chat, and and again, testament to yourself, David, that you know Mel Kuyper's put out his top draft talents for this year, and you're at number ten overall out of all of college. There's obviously a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of people chatting about it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I know there'll be people listening to this saying, "Ask him if he's going into the draft." We'll not do that. We'll chat about that offline, and you can tell us secretly. But you know, we'll not talk about that. But obviously, you will have half an eye on a progression, whether it be this year, next year, whenever, to the NFL. Is there particular players that you're watching when it comes to the NFL guys right now that you're trying to aspire to? Uh, I mean, yeah, I watch uh, a lot of a lot of players. Uh, but I feel like my game just kind of just because I'm so fresh in it, kind of it's just kind of like my own, you know mm. what I'm saying? But I watch, you know, the Chandler Jones, uh, the Frank Clarks, the kind of like unorthodox guys, but long and lanky. Uh, you know, I watch them a lot, but I feel like just just off the fact that, you know, I'm still learning the sport. You know, I can't really say my game is like someone else's, you know. <laughs> Absolutely unique and in so many ways. And people talk about raw talent. Um, what for you do you think has been the area that you've grown in the most this year? Uh, definitely my IQ of the game. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just starting to click now. Mm. And it's almost, it's almost getting scary for me because like, oh, man, like, so that's that's what this means. Oh, so if this happens and this is gonna happen, like it's just connecting the dots, and that honestly happens. That that just makes me play. Like the game slows down, makes me play more comfortable, and you know, just wreak havoc uh, ultimately. David, I think that's a great phrase. When people talk about the game slowing down, it just means you get to process everything so much quicker. But you know, when you are going, you know, and it's an aggressive sport, we, we know that, you know, pr- quarterbacks must be looking for you now as well as you looking for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they know, you know, if they hold the ball, it's a matter of seconds to at least one of us is going to get there, you know. So whether it be me, Aiden, or honestly, one of our interior guys or linebackers. So I, I feel like just uh, the defense as a whole, honestly, like we – We've kind of uh, shown ourselves to be uh, hunters. You know, we're hunting. We come for the quarterback. Uh, you know, like you saw in Penn State, we had like, what, seven sacks on the guy. So, you know, we're coming, man. We're coming. The, the relentless defense has been brilliant to watch. And I think that people back home are, are really enjoying, you know, there's definitely heads being raised. College football, perhaps not as popular as the NFL in Scotland, but you're making enough of an impact. And speaking of Scotland, have you got plans to get home anytime soon? Or are you going to be over the States for a good while yet? Uh, nothing is concrete right now. I honestly, I mean, I hope I can, you know, not, there's no better feeling than being home around my peoples, but, uh, you know, right now just focusing on the season, you know, still got two, three weeks left, you know, so I can't really be thinking about home right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Um, and what's your hopes for the rest of the season then? What What is your... Uh, obviously, we've talked about the sack record, right? You're getting that. So what else are yeah. you hoping to achieve in the last two games before before we get uh, to bold season? Well, I, I, was, I mean, obviously win out, you know, win every game we play. But, uh, you know, finish strong, man. Just, you know, just, you know, and obviously stay healthy. There's a lot of things, man. But uh, ultimately, just win out. That, that's the ultimate goal. Well, David, we wish you all the very best. We know it's the the Terrapins of Maryland that come uh, next up. You'll you'll visit them, and that's a fascinating contest as well. They've had an up and down season, but it's certainly one you want to get in the win column. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, it's going to be a great game, and uh, I look forward to it. One last question for you, David. What what are the opposition linemen and quarterbacks saying to you? When you're getting up there and making the plays, what sort of comments are you getting from them? Are they trying to noise you up? Are they complimentary? What sort of noise do you hear on the on the pitch? Uh, I mean, personally, some of them are actually nice guys. Most of them are like asking me, like, "Oh, you're from Scotland?" Like, you know, <laughs> I feel like because that's one of the, the biggest things when they do the scouting report when they say where I'm from. So, like, a lot of them have asked me, "Are you really from Scotland?" <laughs> I'm like, I mean, yeah, like I wouldn't lie, you know, where I'm from. So, <laughs> you know, so like it's just been weird conversations like that. But nah, none of, I mean, I, what is, there's not really much to say. Like if you got beat, like what what else is, you know. <laughs> so they don't really say anything to me. And uh, I don't really, I don't really do the whole talk trash thing either. You know, I'm just there to play football and, you know, win games. Absolutely. Stay humble, stay hungry. And uh, you've already yes, alluded sir. to that. Already alluded to yes, that. Sir. So, listen, absolutely brown to catch up with you, David. I know you've got classes and I know you've got training to get to, so we won't take any more of your time. But listen, yes, we'll try and, try and check in with you again when the season's done. We'll take a spot check and we can do a proper review and get more of your thoughts at that point. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure to David- speak to you, sir. Always. Yeah. Always a pleasure, David. Thank you for your time. And uh, go and stomp on some terrapins at the weekend for us. We, we Absolutely. very much appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> gotcha. Brilliant to hear from David there, Paul. And really, the the success he's having is sensational to watch. It's brilliant. It is. I mean, I watched the, the Penn State game. I mentioned that to David and you could see that. But the whole team is progressing. And, you know, the, the best answer David had in that interview was the fact that he's proud that his class is coming together and they're stepping together. And that's what college football is about. It's about, you know, finding that special draft class, getting things moving and moving them through together. And you can see the experience that's that's flowing through that team. They're well coached, they're well run. You know, I mean, it's a big program. You know, Harbaugh gets under intense pressure, you know, when they don't produce. They're 9-1 this year. They are producing. Should they have beaten Michigan State? Arguably, yes. Um, but they didn't in that occasion. But I think the pressure's each slightly. And, you know, whatever David decides to do, if he, if he goes back to Michigan for another year, I'm sure it was a sensational year. Uh, he'll know and these coaches will know if he's ready to make that next step. Um, it's very difficult if you're projected to go as he is then it's a big decision to make and uh, I'm sure he'll make the right one uh, I thought it was really good to hear him talk about the fact that you know when it comes to the press he enjoys it but he keeps it to the back of his mind because he's right those people that push you up will pull you down as soon as they can uh, because that's their job to do so so you know uh, he's not 
investing too much of his emotions into that sort of stuff. And I think that's good. That's exactly the attitude that you want. And I think overall, his attitude comes across as just being absolutely spot on. Just he is he is very driven. He is very ambitious. He is confident, but he's not he's not ego. He's not swagger. He talked about you know he's not there to trash talk. He's there to celebrate. He's there to do his job and celebrate with his team when they win, and that's what's important to him. Uh, very refreshing to hear from him. Yeah, it was terrific. And when we do get you under centre for your quarterback snaps, I want him on the line. That's... <laughs> No, uh, that's the deal. <laughs> oh, the fear. Oh, the fear. Um, okay, right. So we've done all that. We did say that we were going to do a bit of a halfway through check-in on some teams. So to do that, we are joined. Uh, first time that we've had him through the regular season, but delighted to have back onto the podcast, Jim Ballard. So we've reached that point in the season where we need to stop and we need to reflect. We've been looking at things on a week-by-week basis. But, you know, we're at the halfway point pretty much. Some teams have had their buys, some still to come. We thought it'd be a good opportunity to just stop uh, and have a look at things. And delighted to be joined uh, for the first time in the regular season this season. Please welcome back to the NFL Scotland podcast, Jim Ballard. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. I'm good. I'm well. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be back on. It's just been too long. It has Life been in the long. way of things, man, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been too long. Uh, but great to have you here. Um, thoughts, first of all, so far on the season. Headlines. If, you, if you're summing up the season so far, how do you pitch it? Wide open. Yeah. yeah. 11, te- 11 teams in the AFC over 500. You know, you coming into the season, expectations were, you know, the Chiefs are going to be right there again. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, it's, it's, it's been such a weird year. Um, you know, we watched, watched Kansas City, you know, hit their stride again on, on Sunday night. They, Mahomes looks awful good, but he's pressed a lot. He's thrown a lot of, a lot of interceptions, uh, turned the ball over a lot, and then it's cost him. Um, and it's cost him. You know, they are playing extremely well right now, though. They've won three in a row. And um, I think the team that, that surprises me the most this year has been Tennessee. Uh, love what Coach Rabel's doing. He's uh, he's an Ohio guy. He actually went to the same high school as my wife's daughter, uh, Ohio State guy. Um, you know, love the way he, he coaches, love the way he leads. You know, he, he, he coaches the way that he played. Uh, very intense guy. He's got that program really on, you know, on the upswing. Uh, the stock's rising in Tennessee. Um, they brought in Adrian Peterson and, you know, continue to win with him without, you know, Derrick Henry is, is saying something. Tannehill's been playing well, but the defense has just been getting it done. And they've won six in a row. I mean, they're the hottest team in the AFC right now. Absolutely. Um, and you're right, it is wide open. So let, let's go through the divisions one at a time and, and we'll kind of reflect. What we're going to do here is talk about the teams that, you know, we've been impressed with, the teams that are kind of in the mix and those that we're less impressed with. Kind of give them that halfway through report card. And Paul, will come in and get your input on, on this as we go as well. But uh, Jim, we'll start with the division that your own team sits within, the AFC North. Uh, fascinating, obviously. The Baltimore Ravens currently six and three. The Browns at the bottom of that division with a five and five. You talked about wide open. Let's start at wide open. What's happening in the AFC North? Who's impressed you the most, and who's disappointed you the most? Uh, you know what? The Baltimore's been uh, obviously the most impressive team. They're in they're in first place. A shocking again. Uh, any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday game, you know they go out and you know they lay an egg. 
against Miami. Um, you know, didn't see that one coming. And and not only did they lay an egg, but I mean, they completely got dismantled on offense. They're, Miami's defense, what goes with Flores is down there, right? Um, did an outstanding job, held Baltimore to ten points. Uh, and when you can do that to you know former MVP Lamar Jackson, I mean that that, that was impressive to watch. Uh, you know, he's having a good year. Uh, their defense is playing well. They're still in first place. You know, it's going to be, it's going to get really interesting because they added that extra game. So now you got 17 games instead of 16 games. And I really think that that's going to be a difference for, for some of these teams that wouldn't have gotten in last year that will get in this year. Um, the Browns have been a little disappointing. They've been beat up with injuries. You know, Baker's got a, you know, he's got a shoulder issue. And I mean, I, I can relate to that. Uh, I had a torn labrum, except mine was in my throwing shoulder, and I had a grade three plus AC joint when I uh, when I got hurt in '98 when I was over in Scotland. Uh, I know he's getting beat up in the media. He had a, a bad game this past weekend. The Browns uninspired ball. I mean, they just flat out got their ass kicked. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, would have helped to have Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt, but even if those guys would have been in the lineup, they still would have got stomped. Um, New England's playing extremely well right now. Um, Cincinnati's, you know, I love Burrow. Uh, you know, Big Ben's Big Ben. You know, they've struggled a little bit. Every team in, in that division right now is uh, on a losing streak. You know, Cincinnati's lost two. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and, and Cleveland have all lost one game. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a lot of divisional games going on. The Browns got Detroit this weekend. That's absolutely a must win. Uh, Cincinnati lines up against the Raiders, a very winnable game, but they got to go on the road. Um, so it's just, it's, it's wide open. Um, I think Baltimore is obviously the front runner, um, but you just never know, especially after last week, how do they rebound from that loss, that embarrassing loss, that ass kicking of a loss and to be held in check for 10, I mean, 10 points. As I keep saying it. Wow. It's something. It is. And if you look at the schedule, Paul, on, on the, on this division, um, Tankathon.com have the remaining schedule strength. And if you look at the top five teams with the toughest schedule remaining, four of them are in the AFC North. You've got Pittsburgh at one, Baltimore at two, the Browns at four, and the Bengals at five. The only team sandwiched in amongst that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And a large part of that is because so many of these teams in this division have yet to play each other. And I think that's where, for me, this division's wide open because right now it could be any one of actually three teams could make it to the postseason out of here. All of them could. And, and, and you might see, you know, the winner of this division with, a, you know, an eight and nine record or a seven and ten record. Uh, not likely Baltimore's going to win more than one game, but you, you, you get my point. I mean, they're all going to be, you know, jockeying for position. And like you said, they're – they haven't played each other yet. So somebody's going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to win unless, you know, you're Pittsburgh and then you tie Detroit. What an egg, what a big egg that was too. I mean, <laughs> like, it's just crazy what's going on this year, not just in, in, in professional football, but college is wide open too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just been a, it's been a crazy year all the way around. Fun one, no doubt about it. See, I think that's a great link, Jim, because I was going to mention college football here. And and there's a lot of people listening to us will probably know in college you get such a thing as a good loss and a bad loss. You know, so if you're trying to make the final four, you know, if you've been beaten by a big team, you know, it can be a bit of a good loss. You know, some we saw at the weekend, Oklahoma lost to Baylor 
Texas lost to Kansas, which was arguably dreadful. But I think looking at the AFC, I think every team's got a bad loss on the resume. I mean, we're talking about Miami knocking off uh, Baltimore. You know, Tennessee have been beaten by the Jets. I mean, that, that's almost impossible uh, at the moment. So every team, I think, has a bad loss. Arguably, the Patriots, you might think they'd get away with it. Uh, the North, anybody could take. I still think Baltimore will do so, Cameron. But I think it is, it's all about bouncing back from those losses. The Bengals and Browns are both flattered to deceive. I've no idea if they're any good or not. And the Steelers aren't going anywhere with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Yeah. I think that looked pretty obvious. Uh, I mean, it was a horrible day. It was slick, you know, it was slippy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he didn't exude a lot of confidence for me. But I think it's all about the, the losses that you have. Cleveland looked like they'd righted the ship and all of a sudden, you know, lay another egg. Uh, I've no idea what, what they are. Every team has injuries. And, and Jim's mentioned injuries. Every team has injuries. And the next man up philosophy you know, goes right across the board. And I, I mean, Jim, you're a lot closer to these things than me, but I mean, part of the coach's job is to make sure, is to almost plan for the worst to happen and, you know, looking at who the next man up is and not trying to take yourself out of contention if your roster's not deep enough. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, I think Cleveland has done a, a good job as, as far as um, finding guys that can get it done. Um, you know, Baker's been... He's, he's, he hasn't played bad. I mean, at times he has, and then, you know, at times he looks really, really good. I mean, he's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league to, in the league to start the season, you know, had the highest pass rating, um, you know, and then Cleveland dealing with the, uh, the whole OBJ thing. And, um, you know, then he goes out last night and plays for the Rams, but, but Cleveland's got depth. I mean, especially at the running back position, Chubb and, and Hunt went down, but this, this Johnson kid, the Ernest Johnson is tough. I mean, he's put together some some really good ball games and, and, and spot time and then starts. You know, the first game he started he, against Denver, he went 22 for 146. And, you know, last week without Chubb and, and Hunt, he went 19 for 99. I mean, that, that, that's getting it done. That, that's a third string running back. Um, but they just I – don't, I don't have an answer for what happened other than you watch the game and they just got their ass kicked. Um, New England's – figuring it out now. They're one of the hottest teams in the AFC right now. They've, they're coming off four straight wins after starting one and four. Mac Jones, great pick, playing better than any any rookie quarterback in the NFL right now. Had a chance to spend some time with uh, Tom McDaniels, Josh's dad. Tom's a legendary high school coach here in, in Canton. Actually named the, the road uh, after him and, and his family uh, by the Hall of Fame. And he said, and it was fascinating to listen, I mean, Tom's one of those – guys that you talk to and it's like yeah putting i mean you perk up and you listen remember that old commercial everybody would stop when somebody you know here yeah putting and that's how tom was and what he was saying was that he spoke to josh uh you know about mac jones and they said of any quarterback that has ever come through that program any of them not just a, a rookie but a, a veteran uh, free agent signing or whatever they have never seen a kid pick up the offense that fast and have that kind of control of it. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, talking about, you know, Drew, you know, Drew Bledsoe, you know, the goat, um, you know, Cam, Cam Newton. I mean, all of them. And, and if you watch him play, I mean, he, he plays a lot like Brady. I mean, he has, you know, just unwavering confidence. He has an air about him. He's a good leader. He, you know, he's a good looking guy, you know, guys love him in the locker room. Um, They've they found their franchise quarterback, and 
New England's going to make some noise in the AFC East before, or the AFC, I should say, not just the East, but in the whole AFC before it's all said and done. You know, they've got a lot of players back that, you know, that didn't, weren't able to play last year because of COVID. Uh, they had some, you know, a really good draft. And, you know, now the guys are starting to buy in and understand their role and understand the, you know, the system. And, you know, New England's rolling right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it takes us nicely into the AFC East. New England are in a really good position. And I think the Mac Jones pick, you, you touched on it there, football intelligence is so important because football intelligence gives you a, a, a running start. If you've got the, the, the cognitive load to be able to take on board a, a new scheme and plug into that really quickly, then you can go places fast. And when you can get into that position, obviously there's a lot more you can then continue to grow. You don't need to work on the fundamentals. You can already be adding the bells and whistles to your playbook that takes you to the next level. The quicker you can get to that stage, the the quicker the doors open for you for true success. And I think that, you know, before the draft, as a 49ers fan, there was a lot of Mac Jones to San Francisco. And I think it was very easy to look at the, the tape and the player that he was and be slightly underwhelmed. But I think the transition from college to NFL is is completely different. And you look at a player like Brady and the long career that he's got, and he isn't a quarterback that runs around. He's just a great pocket passer. Uh, and Mac Jones is the sort of quarterback in that setup who is set up for success. He may, uh, Had Mac Jones gone to San Francisco, I don't know that you would have seen the same success that he's currently having because I think that where he's landed is perfect for the right coaching team to develop him as a rookie into a, an established scheme and make it work. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you, you, you talked about like the, his football intelligence. I mean, he, he played quarterback at Alabama. Um, you know, he played for Steve Carse- Sarkeesian, who is, you know, one of the best offensive coordinators in, in college football. Um, so he was, and he ran an NFL system with, with Sarkeesian. So for him to transition, it wasn't as hard necessarily as, as it was for some guys. Um, I think I might disagree with you a little bit. I think if he would have ended up going to uh, San Francisco, I think he would still have a lot of success based on the fact that Shanahan is so good at uh, developing quarterbacks. And that system fits him. Mm. You know, if you watch, watch uh, you know, what Jimmy G did last night. Yeah. You know, that's 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 Mac Jones. That's the way Mac Jones plays. And he did a great job of, of, of running crossing routes and, and anticipation. And and that's the way that Matt played. But either way, wherever he's at, he's having a tremendous season. And some of the throws that he made against the Browns was like, damn, you know, take your hat off to him. You know, you can't defend it. You can't ever th- defend a perfectly thrown ball. Um, but to see him do it as a, as a rookie, can, you know, consistently and, and and take strides every week. It's, it's been fun to watch. And um you know, my buddy keeps me updated a little bit on what's going on up there. A good friend of mine, Nick Cayley, is the uh, tight ends coach up there. Uh, so they, they're, they're figuring it out on offense. And Absolutely. defensively, Belichick is, yeah. is Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing at this point. He definitely knows Just what he's a little doing. Bit. <laughs> um, what about the Bills, though? Do you know what? It looks like it's already a battle between them. Uh, you know, six wins each, fine. The, the Bills have had their bye week, so there's a game in hand there. But this is a much more competitive division than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. You know, the Bills started out. They, I, I really thought that they, you know, they had Pittsburgh at home and they lay an egg. They got beat. I didn't. I didn't see Big Ben coming in there and getting a win. You know, then they come back against the Jet or the uh, Dolphins. They play well. They beat them. They beat the Washington Football Team. Then they beat the Texans. Then they beat the Chiefs. Um, so they ripped off four four games in a row, and now they're starting to slide just a little bit. They lost a tough game to the Titans. Uh, 
Um, but Josh Allen's having a, you know, another good year. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, uh, uh, Mac Jones, uh, if you will, uh, they found a franchise quarterbacks first one since Jim Kelly. Um, he's having a good year. He's got almost a hundred percent pass rating, 20, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, he's, you know, and he's also can run the ball just a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, uh, he's going to have him right there. And then people in Buffalo are excited about him, and, uh, you know, their defense is playing pretty decent. Cameron, I, th- I think the tale that will come out of this division in the next year or two is the fact that the Jets and the Dolphins have whiffed. They have missed their chance when the Patriots had a down, arguably a down season, two seasons. They're on their way back. Buffalo have found their franchise quarterback, as Jim mentioned. I think there's going to be a tale of woe for Miami and for New York for the next few years because I think the Patriots are back. Just a word on the Dolphins, they were a 10-win team last season. That gets kind of overlooked. Um, three and seven is not where they thought they would be, but again, they've not handled the quarterback position particularly well. And the Jets, again, the Jets have done what the Jets do. They've drafted a rookie quarterback, put him in. And I, do, I mean, I'll put this to you, Jim. I mean, I, I watched this with them. They fall behind. The poor rookie has to throw more he gets intercepted. They fall further behind. He's got to throw more. He gets intercepted again. I mean, it's a sorry tale in New York. It is. It's 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 a uh, yeah. It's a, it's a tough place to uh, play. Number one, it's a tough place to play quarterback. Um, you know whether you're, you know a, you know first round pick like he was, or you know a fifth round pick or a, a free agent signing off the street. New York is brutal. You have to deal with the media all the time, and when things aren't going well, they just they beat you up. So there's that aspect of it. Not to mention, um, you know, they're just they're not very good. So <laughs> you know, you put those things together, and and, and, it, and it's making it awful tough for the Jets. Um, you know, they're not scoring a lot of points on offense. You know, I'm looking at you know what they've done so far this season. Um, you know, not. I mean, not, not Salah's a def- yeah, Salah's a defensive coach as well, and they, I mean, they keep getting stomped upon. Partly, as I mentioned, because they keep throwing interceptions because they're trying to come from behind. I mean, their points differential. I mean, they've lost two hundred and ninety-six points in nine games. That's pretty ugly. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. They gave up forty-five to the Bills. They gave up forty-five to the Colts. Thirty-four to the Bengals. Fifty-four to the Patriots. <laughs> Um, that's been their last four games. Yeah, they're they're just not getting it done on defense and um, not getting a lot of pass rush. Um, you know, and then when you, you combine that with with with, t- with penalties and and turning the ball over more than your opponent, you're you're going to lose ninety percent of your games when when that happens, especially the in the NFL. You know, you, we saw uh, San Francisco do that last night, or excuse me, um, not San Francisco, but uh, Daily Rams. The Rams. Yeah. They had two two early interceptions. They went down both both those interceptions, uh, you know, translated into fourteen points, just like they did last week. They they spotted them fourteen. They you know they got a little bit going, but their defense couldn't uh, couldn't stop that running game. And you know when you spot it when you spot an NFL team, regardless of what team it is, fourteen points, you know, the odds of winning that are probably less than three percent. Yeah. Um. Fascinating stuff from those two divisions into the South. We touched on Tennessee Titans, obviously runaway leaders. They are currently number one seed in the AFC overall. Outside of that, I mean, we knew the Texans season was going to be a write-off. They kicked off with a win to surprise us all. That cleared off that 0-17, but it's not been a lot to shout about since. Um, Jacksonville, 
you know, little signs of life. Obviously, had that impressive win over the Bills that I don't think anybody saw coming. But then, kind of a return to form this weekend. Um, I'm not sure that either of them are going to do anything this year. But the Colts definitely a contender for the postseason. If they can, if Carson Wentz can keep things together and they can continue to lean on Jonathan Taylor. However, injuries starting to creep in in Indianapolis as well. Yeah, they are. Um... You know the, the Texans are just they're 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 just bad. They're they're a bad football team. I mean, like you said, they started out you know with a win and then they lost eight in a row. They have no offense to speak of whatsoever. They've only scored 128 points through nine games, uh, and the Jaguars haven't fared much better. You know they they've won one more game, and they've only you know they they scored 132 points. You know you got Trevor Lawrence down there. You got. Uh, Urban Meyer, and, and I, I said this from the beginning, when they hired Urban Meyer, to me, all that was was uh, Saban 2.0. You know, he has way too much ego to coach in the NFL, and it, you're not going to scare a 10-year NFL veteran making $25 million by sitting him on the bench. You, number one, you can't do it. Number two, I mean, he could do that in college because the, the, the amount of five-star or four-star recruits that he had, he, he could sit a guy down if he wanted to. Now in the NFL, he's got you know, to check his ego a little bit. Um, you know, then there was a whole thing when he didn't come back on the plane. I mean, come on, man. What are you, what are you thinking? What do you, you know, and then the players, you know, just beat him up. I mean, they kind of laughed at him, you know, about, you know, being at a club and, you know, that, that's, that wasn't a good look for him, especially first year as an NFL coach. You're out of coaching for a few years. You're sitting behind a microphone and then you, you do that. I mean, what are you thinking? But... I digress. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. I, I, I think it's an interesting point of that transition from from college to NFL. I think it, it's a fascinating transition. Just it, it's a different mindset. It's a different set of skills needed to, to motivate players. I, I'm interested in your thoughts because I, I think Tennessee will win that division, camera. I think the, the Colts are good enough. Uh, they're four and one in the last five and started one and four. So I think they're good enough. But the West fascinates me, Jim. You know, Kansas back on track with a win against the Raiders. The Raiders, do, doing what the Raiders s- seem to do, you know, they find adversity. Um, you know, the season started well and it's all gone horribly wrong for them. Uh, the Chargers are the one team I can't make my mind up on, Jim. I don't know whether they're good or not. Yeah, Um Again, like a lot of these teams, one week they look like they're world beaters. The next next week you're like, what team did we just watch? It looks <laughs> completely different. Um, yeah, well, everything that's going on in Vegas, you know, they're you know with the new coach. I, I really think that Gruden got a raw deal. I mean, of all those emails, those are the only ones that that came out. I mean, then they said there was what like sixty thousand emails. I mean, to me that that doesn't make any sense at all but you know they fired him because they had to because of what was said i I get that um and you got to move on um you know and i think they're doing they're doing a pretty good job i can't remember the name of that head coach off the top of my head but um you know he got it you got to win i think is it something like that robert bachetti right yeah yeah special teams coach yeah you know they, they started out with a win uh with with him against the eagles and then the last two weeks they just haven't gotten it done uh, offensively, you know, they go up to the Giants and they lose 23 16. Again, a team that you got to beat. Uh, you know, I, I like David Carr, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's been playing extremely well. When he when Gruden came in, you know, there was a lot of talk about them trading him away. And uh, who are you going to get that's better? You know, you're going to start a rookie. Uh, you know, the guy's 
throwing for 4,000 yards every year. Doesn't miss a lot of starts. He's, you know, he's solid. He's made a lot of, a lot of good plays. And then the whole rugs thing with the DUI, I mean, that, that doesn't help. You know, you got your, your top receiver in the draft pick, you know, probably will never play again. Um, still trying to figure it out. I, I still like Jacobs. They're the running back. He's a good player. Um, they've got some good players on defense, but they just got to get consistent. You know, one game they look great. Next game they don't. You know, David Carr's fifteen or fifteen uh, touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's gotten sacked twenty times though. Um, need to shore up that offensive line a little bit, but I still like I still like the Chargers in, in that division to come out ahead of the Chiefs, close. But I think the Chargers put it together. So let's have a look at the playoff picture as it stands. I don't like to read too much into it at this stage because there's a long way to go. But, you know, obviously, as things are at the moment, the Titans in as the number one seed. Um, the matches would be at wildcard weekend. It would be the Chargers as the seventh team uh, against the Bills as the second seed. Patriots at six against the Ravens at three. And the Steelers at five against the Chiefs at four. The teams just outside that are the Raiders, the Bengals, the Colts, the Browns. The Broncos, even all of those on five wins, really, you could you could make a case for a lot of them to make it into the postseason. You can. I mean, you might as well stand at the front of the craps table yeah. and roll the dice. I mean, you just don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what team's going to come up. You know that that's that's what makes this this year so fun because you know the minute you think you got it figured out, somebody goes out and loses to a team that you're like, well, what happened? You know, we, we keep saying that, but that's been the theme this year. What happened? Yeah. You know, egg, egg drop. Yeah. <laughs> Steelers, Steelers tied Detroit. I mean, and oof. we talked about strength of schedule. Uh, you know, the Titans in the number one seed have the easiest schedule according to the rankings as they are at the moment. They've still to play. So the tough games that they've got are against uh, Pittsburgh and the Patriots. Tough games. The, the the easier end of the scale, they've got two games against the Texans. They play the Jags, the Dolphins, and the 49ers. Um, and the way that Tennessee are playing, all of those absolutely could be victories. So, you know, that could an impressive season, indeed, it could be. Uh, they could very well capture that number one seed, and that would be huge for them as well, having home field advantage. Yeah, they have, home, have home field throughout. And Possibly get Derrick Henry those... back. Possibly get Derrick Henry back at that point as well. Gives for them sure. another week to recover, of... right? I mean, the last two weeks of the season, you, you finish up with, with the Dolphins and then you go on the road at, at the Texans. I mean, those are, those are must-wins. And I think that, you know, depending on what happens in the division, you, you might see them um, probably sit some of their starters if, if they're able to, to, to separate themselves and, and, and clinch the number one seed. Then it's like, okay, clinched home field throughout. They finish up with those two, those two games. You know, and the, the – the, the week before the, or uh, excuse me, they play the 49ers, uh, 13, 14, 15, week 16. Hmm. Another winnable game. They're at, you know, the week before that, they, they're at the Steelers. So, and the week before that, they're home against the Jaguars. They're, they're scheduled the last six games. Is, I mean, there, there's four or five that are should be guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the te- I like Tennessee, as, as I said. I, I love Coach Vrabel. I love the way he coaches. Players love playing for him. You can you can see the you know he's a player's coach. You know he's had an unbelievable he had an unbelievable career. I mean that automatically brings credibility and it's like man, you turn that guy on. How many Super Bowls has he won? He's been there. He knows how to win. Yeah. And, and not only know how to win, he was a key part of what they did defensively to get those championships. 
So the credibility and the and, and having a guy like that, and then to see his emotion on the sidelines and be real with the players, and you know, it, it, I'd, I'd love to play for that guy. You know, and when you have a guy like that, you're going to get more out of your players. You're going to get the maximum because they want to win for him. You know, some guy. I mean, if you ask, if you pull everybody in the in the Jacksonville locker room, do we want to win for Urban? Yeah. I don't know. As a professional, yes, but. I, I would I would love to ask that question. Get a, get a lot of uh, it would be great to be able to to hear the honest answer about that. And I th- I think you know what I'm saying. And yeah. I think it would probably be, you know, give you know maybe <laughs> take it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask anybody to run through a wall for Coach Rabel. They're lining up around the house and around the door to, to run through the wall for him. Yeah. That's the diff- and that's the difference with some of the NFL teams. Absolutely. On to the NFC then. Uh, there's some. There's probably less interesting stories. These divisions perhaps not quite as open, though not completely closed. We'll start with one that I think is a quick conversation. The NFC North. Um, the Packers running away with it again. You know, Aaron Rodgers continues to be the quarterback. They obviously had, we, we saw a little bit of love last weekend. We weren't overly impressed, but um, there's still plenty of time for him to come through, I'm sure. Uh, injury to Aaron Jones potentially an issue. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, but AJ Dillon had a monster game. So next man up, we talked about earlier on, and if you've got a decent committee when it comes to the running back room, you can just plug someone in and off you go. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, the Detroit Lions, 0-8-1. It's a rebuild season. Well done for them for getting the tie. They certainly stopped the 0-17. We're now on to the 0-16-1. So, you know, it's something different. Um, the Bears and the Vikings, though, what can they salvage the season? Is there any way that either of these two make the postseason? Or are we just, are they just seeing things out and hoping for a decent draft pick? I think the, I think Chicago still has a chance. Uh, Detroit, not so much. Um, you know, the, the Chicago's getting better. They, they, they went on the road. Um, they lost a tough one. They lost by two. Um, Justin Fields continues to get better. Um, they just got to do a better job of protecting him. Um, he's gotten pounded on. He's gotten sacked 29 times in 187 attempts. Yeah. That's one every six for those of you scoring at home, which I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, you, you, you put that with the fact that he's a rookie in his first season in a new system, you know, in Chicago and another, you know, big market area uh, to be under the, under the microscope. Um, I, I, I like Justin Fields. I watched him a lot at Ohio State. Uh, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a, a quarterback first and an athlete second. He can extend plays and he can make a lot of throws. He just has to, you know, stay the course and, and keep figuring things out and and not turn the ball over. But the bottom line is, for them to make the playoffs, they got to they need to get better on the offensive line and be able to uh, take some of the pressure off of him. Um, Lions, as I said, I think they're a no go. Uh, Vikings, I I like Kirk Cousins. I mean he. It's easy to, to, to want to not like the guy, but if you look at his body of work over over the years, I mean, he's a four thousand yard guy every year. He's Derek Carr you know, in the NFC, right? When you mentioned that about Derek Carr earlier on, saying Derek Carr continually throw four thousand yards, I was like, it's like Kirk Cousins. Do you know what? There's not there's not enough bad play in there for you to go. He's a terrible quarterback. Uh, there's enough good in there to see why teams stick with him, right? Because he's capable. We've seen it. He, he's he is a very capable quarterback. He's maybe not the guy that's got that five star rating that can take you that extra little inch when it comes to the end of the season. But it, it feels like him and Derek Carr have a very similar kind of set of skills. 
he's he's thrown 18 touchdowns and two yeah. interceptions yeah. and he's only he's only lost a fumble one fumble so he's turned the ball over three times in 10 in nine games you know that that's as much as you know they throw the ball that that's impressive he's got a 104 pass rating um you know they've got good wide receivers they got jefferson and Thielen and, and conklin um jefferson's just a man child but they they got to get a, they got to get better on defense and then you got dalvin cook running the ball um they just got to get get a little bit better um They've lost some close games that they could have easily won. Uh, Cousins gives you a chance to win every every Sunday, every every time they line up. He's he's got big play capabilities. Their offense is good, and they just you know again got to get more consistent. I, I was on Kirk Cousins from near the start of the season, Cameron. You know this. Yeah. Uh, if we were sitting here and the Vikings were six and three, I wouldn't bat an eyelid because I think arguably they deserve to be. Cousins has had them in almost every single game. Uh, I think. It, for them, it was a must-win against the Chargers, and it, it's a great win for them. So they, they are a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, but I think they will come good. We we talked about you know bad losses and good losses, um, you know for the AFC. So if you look, you know Green Bay obviously got thumped by the Saints in Week One and have barely fo- put a foot wrong since then. Uh, the loss against Kansas was ugly, but they had the rookie quarterback. In. Um, so, you know, I think that's interesting. If you go to, if we, we take the NFC East next, nobody, I think, saw Dallas get stomped at home by the Broncos. Never mind the, the full-time score at the end. They were down by about 30 points at one point. Um, and so it just seems to be the year where every team is just doing something that we do not expect. Tampa Bay losing to Washington this week. I'm not, I'm not sure it was a massive shock because Taylor Heineke had a great wee chance against them in the playoffs last year. Uh, Tampa surely couldn't be taking them too easily. Um, and the Cardinals, you could argue that losing to the Panthers is a bad one, but they didn't have Murray, they didn't have Hopkins. There's excuses excuses there. But, you know, I, th- I think there's a couple of very, very interesting matchups to come. I think Dallas will canter the East. Green Bay will canter the North. Um the Saints will not do anything for me in the South. It's a question of now. I think the the question in in the South is is does Cam Newton make any difference at all to the Panthers? And then when they get McCaffrey back and he's healthy, I mean, I'm not a Cam Newton fan. Everybody on the podcast knows this, but I loved him taking off his helmet, and shouting, "I'm back!" That was hysterical <laughs> for me. That was utterly hysterical. And I think sport needs people like that because it gives that little bit of razzmatazz. I didn't like the fact he got done for 15 yards for taking off the helmet. How boring and dull is that? That's a bit of razzmatazz. He wasn't swearing, but the you know the Cards fans, he was just saying he was back, and I liked that. It's a great I- narrative, which is what the NFL is all about, is the stories. Um, and you know, when as soon as Cam's back in Carolina, you're like, Right, Cam's back. Now, they often say never go back to where you came from. It's never as good the second time around. But we've seen that's not always the case, right? And Sam Darnold started the season brilliantly and then has gone off a cliff, right? Uh, PJ Walker's a, a talented quarterback, but inexperienced at this level. So actually what Cam Newton does is brings you in someone that's very capable. And that run game with Cam Newton, you got to cover Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. Holy cow. No, thank you. Um, you know, he's a... He's a absolute tank of a human being so uh, Jim do you think he can be as successful anywhere near as successful the second time around I, I think he 
I think he gets them to 10 wins this year. I, I really like uh, Matt Rule as, as the coach. Um, he runs a good offense. Uh, he's going to build it around the skill set that, that Cam has. He will implement more uh, run plays for Cam uh, to kind of give him that one-two punch with McCaffrey where he can run you know, some of that zone read stuff. If the end crashes, you, know, you, you pull it, and then you run around the end. And um, He brings a lot to the table. And I, I was talking to uh, – you know, a buddy, my buddy from Patriots, and he said that Cam was an unbelievable leader. People loved him in the locker room. I mean, his first guy there, last guy to leave, constant professional, asking questions, extra work. He was that guy. And Carolina's got a lot of, you know, some, a lot of young guys on that team that he can kind of take under his wing and, and get the most out of those guys. Um, he does bring that razzmatazz, and, and, and people in Carolina are so glad that he's back. Um, and I think I think they can build on that and, and build on the win that they just had over Arizona. I mean that was that was a big win for them. They were four and five, and you know they, you know then they go uh, they tie uh, they go five hundred and they beat them thirty four ten. Now they you know now they're coming back home against the Washington football team. It, 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 a team that you circled on the calendar, be like we got to get that one, especially now. And now once you get you know over five hundred, I think they start to get a little bit more more momentum. And Cam settles in, and he he does some good things. I think they go at least ten and seven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's fascinating to see, like like you say, I think the Saints now, unfortunately, probably going to plummet down the table. The Falcons, uh, again, their performance against Dallas just just when you thought actually Atlanta was starting to get something together. This is this is the season in a nutshell, right? You play brilliantly one week, you blow someone out, and the following week you have an absolute stinker, and you get blown out yourself. I think, you know, even, let's take the Niners uh, and the Cardinals situation that we just talked about. The Cardinals with no Murray, Hopkins, and a plethora of other players go into San Francisco and absolutely destroy the Niners, make them look stupid, and then you think, oh, well, the Cardinals are definitely going to beat the uh, Panthers, they get destroyed by the Panthers. The 49ers, who've just been spanked off an, you know, uh, an understaffed Cardinals team, host the Rams, obviously on the back of a bit of a tough game against the Titans, but then the Niners absolutely up their game, and what a difference a week makes. Um, uh, the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo looked very impressive. The defense looked good, which it was disgusting the week before the tackling that was missed was appalling and then this week it was tremendous and the Cardinals were the ones that were diving around all over the place unable to tackle anybody just from one week to the next there seems to be a, a, a roll of the dice to to go back to the craps table as to what team's going to show up who knows who knows and it's fascinating it's so hard to predict Oliver Stone man yeah. any Given Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and this is why when, when we talk about our pick six that we're doing in the in the amongst the podcast, it's tight amongst us all. Jim, you were out in front at the start of the season, but th- those picks have been tough, right? And it's none of us are doing particularly brilliantly. We're all sitting about that, you know, evens mark. There's nobody doing particularly brilliantly. It's wide open. I, but it's really hard to pick this year. Really hard to pick. I know it is. That's why I let my son do it. (laughs) That's my secret weapon. (laughs) Rest assured, Cameron's leading it because he never mentions it unless he's ahead. I'm only ahead by one. Only by one. Never mentions it. A couple of wee questions, though, Cameron, because I think there's a couple of interesting things that come out of the narrative in these divisions. Uh, The Saints. The Saints have lost 
you know, two games in two weeks. I don't think they're on Trevor Simeon. I think he's been okay. They've got wide receivers that, that apparently can't catch the ball and the, some of the penalties they've been given up and the kicker missing two extra points. So I think there's, there's problems for the Saints. The Rams continue to fascinate me. I mean, they, if we thought they were all in initially, they've now brought in Vaughn Miller and OBJ. Uh, you just you look at it and you think, what is going on, Jim? I mean, it's it's not like they've mortgaged, you know, for for the future. They're mortgaged for now, you know. It's it's almost like they've got to win this thing. Yeah, they they brought in those guys for that purpose to shore up that defensive line, and I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating that, you know, the way the Rams' defense is built, and they talked about this on the broadcast last night. You know, they're built to stop the pass. They got guys that can rush the edge. You know, you got the the big boy in the middle, Aaron Donald, that can just create havoc. So what do they do? They change their tone. They go big personnel, 21, 31, three tight ends, one running back, and they just lined up and they beat the piss out of them. They just ran the ball down <laughs> their throat. Yeah. You can't cut. You can't cover anybody that you know when they don't throw. I mean, and it was what two to one, two to one with them running the ball, and they tried to make adjustments in the second half. They added a defensive lineman. They walked more guys down in the box, and Shanahan still did a great job of of throwing enough just to keep those guys off balance. When they but it started with the run game, and it started up front with that offensive line. I feel like was, these things are always true in the NFC East, NFC West, and it's felt like this for ages. The Seahawks always beat the Niners. The Niners always beat the Rams, and the Rams always beat the Seahawks. And it's just, this seems to be the way that it goes. And it's it's right, because the Niners play run football and have done for the last couple of years, which works well against the Rams' defense. The Seahawks like to play through the air against them, and the Rams seem to soak that up. Um, and then the the Seahawks are able to deal with the run, uh, and they can absolutely destroy our secondary. So it's fascinating. If you, I'm sure if we go back and look at the games, the head-to-heads of those three-team combination, it just seems to always be the case. Um, however, I was flabbergasted to watch the highlights of that game last night and see how it went down. I just didn't see that coming at all. Didn't. Um, and I think that, you know, there's there's a few people already going, oh, OBJ already, you know, Stafford feels he's got to throw to him. There's no way that any of that's come into play yet. Um, I, It's just nonsense. And I get, again, narratives. We like to build stories and stuff like that. I think OBJ will be another asset, especially with Robert Woods going down injured. He needs time to bed into that. He's just newly landed in the door, for goodness sake. There's Some people are desperate to make the story rather than actually see what's in front of them. But I, I think it's a really interesting division between the Cardinals and the Rams. And let's take it to the, the standings as things are right now. Obviously, the Packers in that number one seed. So as things stand, it would be the seven seed Panthers at the two seed Cardinals, the six seed Saints at the three seed Cowboys, the five seed Rams at the four seed Buccaneers. Um, on the bubble there as well. Again, a bunch of teams. Nobody else. So that's all the five-win teams. A bunch of teams on four. The Vikings, the Niners, the Falcons, the Eagles, all on four wins. But unlike the AFC, I don't feel like there's as much there on the edge that's really got a chance to make a postseason run. You know, you've Seattle at three and six, you still feel like they're not going to be anywhere near like that at, come the end of the season. Though fascinating to see them have their first ever zero game under Russell Wilson. Um, it feels a little bit more clean cut when it comes to the NFC. I think there's a, there's a sneaky team. I'm not sure what Philadelphia are like. I mean, Philadelphia are four and six, and they've managed to lose all four home games. That takes some doing. You know, they've only played one divisional game so far. 
um, you know, so there's an opportunity to get wins against Washington and New York, and they always they always play Dallas fairly hard. I think I think Philadelphia. I'm just not sure again, just watching them how good, bad, or indifferent they are. But I think there's a little bit of a spark starting to come there. You're I'm sure right, they face the, the Saints. Yeah. If you look at their schedule, they are the third easiest. Their tough games are against the Cowboys and the Saints. And the question mark as to whether the Saints are still a tough game, I don't know. Genuinely don't know. It's not a criticism. Oh, yeah. um, no, no. But they are games, they've got two against the Giants, two against Washington, one against the Jets. Um, so actually, you're right. I think Philadelphia are probably a, a good opportunity there. I guess you could argue the Niners have a chance. Ugh, slightly reluctant to say that as a fan because I've really been underwhelmed. But games against the Texans, uh, the Jags, the Falcons, the Seahawks, although I've already said that they always beat us, tough games still to come against the Titans, the Rams, and the Bengals, uh, play the Vikings as well. Uh, not totally unreasonable. Same with Seattle. Seattle still to play the Lions, the Texans, the Bears, Washington, the Niners, two games against the Cardinals and a game against the Rams. So there probably is still some um, way to go in this, but someone's going to have to make a run for sure. You know, Cameron, I've got, I've got, I've got a question for Jim before, before you go. Uh, Jim, because th- this interests me. How do you motivate a team like Detroit? You know, a team like the Texans, a te- you know, a team like the Jags. How do you motivate them at this time of the season? What what is there for their players? Uh, job security. I, I think a lot of those guys are, are fighting for jobs more than anything, as well as pride. Uh, you know, I really like their head coach. I love the fact that he broke down at the, you know the one game that they lost in the last last few seconds. I mean, that that was real. Very very seldom do you see coaches that you know will show that kind of true honest emotion. Um, in front of a room full of reporters, mind you. Uh, I, I just think if you're if you're a professional, you're you're not worried about what the wins and losses are. You're worried about trying to get better. You know, bigger picture. I don't know how many guys are in the last year of a contract, but you know, you have guys that are playing for a new contract or are playing to get out to go somewhere else. Um, you know, we watched that in Cleveland. Um, it's hard. It, it, it is. You know, you, you just got to stay positive and, and focus on the on the good things that you're doing and, and just try to find a way to win. You know, a lot of times once you win, you, know, you get a win under your belt, you start figuring things out a little bit, you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay, we got one. Um, but you, they just got to keep fighting until that happens. And hopefully that, uh, that doesn't happen this week against Cleveland. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, I got a soft spot, obviously for, uh, for Philadelphia. The, uh, the head coach is a Mount Union uh, grad where I went to college, I uh, played with his brother and won a national championship. And uh, I actually coached Nick Sirianni in uh, the minor league, indoor arena league for the Canton Legends uh, back in the early 2000s. So uh, love Nick, sent him a text. I actually I actually sent him a screenshot of the, uh, the picks and that uh, I was the only one that picked them. And he responded, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said, no matter what anybody else says, man, I said, I, I always got you back. And I, always, I know you'll turn it around. So he, he comes from a long line of coaches. Uh, his dad won uh, is a legendary coach in New York, uh, won, a, won a couple state championships. His older brother, Mike, as I said, is the, uh, was my former teammate. He's a, the head coach at Washington and Jefferson, another Division three school. He's got, I think, close to 200, like 200 wins now. Uh, he's the winningest college coach there. You know, obviously, what Nick Nick has done uh, in a short time at the NFL, he's still figuring things out, man. I mean, he's he's a young he's a young guy, and uh, let's not 
forget that Philly wasn't very good to start with the yeah. team that he took over. You know, they had the whole thing with Carson Wentz in the offseason. You know, then they had Hurts, you know, the trade talks for a long time. That was out there. And I, I really think he's found something in Jalen Hurts. And I think he's done a good job of recognizing that we just can't drop him back and throw 35, 40 times a game. They've, they've done a good job of really trying to establish the run the last couple of weeks, and it's, and it's made a difference. You know, they beat up on the Broncos. They, they, they could have very easily beaten the Chargers. They lost 27-24, and, you know, the week before that, they won 44-6. to So, I mean, they're 2-1 and one their last last three games. They're playing with a lot of momentum. They're playing at home this week against the Saints, which is a, a, a game, again, circling on the calendar. we got to get this one to get, you know, to stay in contention. And, you know, then they go on the road to the Giants. So these two games coming up for them are, are huge and where they're going to end up at the end of the season. Cameron, we might have to send Nick a hat just to say sorry that you know we're not all bad in Scotland. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, listen, Jim, thank you for joining us. Really interesting to get the take halfway through the season. There's a lot of football still to be played. We'll get you back again uh, before the season is through for sure. Get an update uh, ahead of the playoffs and, and see how teams are doing. But uh, here's hoping your Browns can can keep the win and times coming and get back on track. For sure. And uh, Division Three playoffs start this weekend. My boys at Mountain Union need a lot of win. You know, if this team does not win a national championship, this is the dominance of Mountain Union over the last 30 years. If this class, this team does not win a national championship, this will be the first class since 92, since my junior year, that has not won at least one national championship. Oh, really? Wow. And the kicker is, the Division Three National Championship is held where? You guys know? Don't. Is it, it the Hall of Fame? Tom Benson <laughs> Hall of Fame Stadium. So it'd be a home game from out, man. So <laughs> you got you to gotta get it done. <laughs> oh, dear. And I've been enjoying your radio, I've been enjoying your radio work because I managed to hear you the other week. Oh, You've yeah. been enjoying that? I, I appreciate that. We're, we're, uh, we're doing Maslin again on, uh, on Friday. Actually, the... Uh, they're going to beat up on the team that they're playing, but I, I work with the quarterback who's at green uh, since he was in eighth grade. Maslin's program. If you haven't watched this, by the way, all the listeners out there, uh, you need to watch a, a documentary called timeless rivals. It's, it talks about the, the programs of, of Canton McKinley and Maslin and all the, the coaches and all the, the history of those programs. It's, it's as a football fan, you will absolutely love it. And you'll be shocked by how much football is is in my backyard in Northeast Ohio. It's really, really well done. And like I said, the, I'm not going to spoil it, but all the coaches and that have gone through both programs, obviously Josh McDaniels, yeah. Tom McDaniels, his brothers uh, coaching, I, I believe, with the Texans. Josh is this. You know, that's just that's just three off the top of my head. You know, yeah, and yeah. there's so so many more that you guys will uh, you'll really enjoy it though. But uh. It's it's a it's a great documentary, and as a football fan, you'll you'll lo- you'll love the history of it. Do love a good recommendation, so thank you for that. And Jim, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So there you go, Paul. Uh, a bit of a good summary there of everything that's going on. Uh, great to have Jim back on the pod as well. Yeah, it's great to have Jim around. Always love talking ball with Jim, and hopefully we covered every team. If we missed out your team and you want to know what we think, uh, just just ping us on social media. We'll we'll get round to it. If we miss trashing your team or praising your team, uh, we'll, we'll certainly get round to that. But yeah, I think it's it's been an amazing season so far. You can't pick the Super Bowl winner at the moment. 
I think that's fairly certain, and I think it's making for a really good Sunday by Sunday. And saying that, Cameron, as well, you know, I've been watching a little bit more football on the, you know, the Sunday night game and the Monday night games I've been watching on catch up. Uh, I can't do the, the game in 40 minutes thing. I've got to watch the game. Um, sometimes, you know, I might spool it through a little bit, but I, I love that that feeling. And yeah, I think we're seeing some good football. We, we get very rare bad games like the Bills, Jags, and you could argue the Steelers, Lions. There's always going to be a few bad ones in there. But by and large, it's great. And even some of the poorer games, to be fair, the narrative is there for them. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um but I think that's pretty much the full-time whistle then for episode 170. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this and every podcast on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, real bumper edition of episode 170 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Follow us on social media. Check out our writers on the NFL Scotland website. On behalf of the camera and myself, thanks for listening. Join us next week. Bye for now.